All right, listen up, hoopleheads. This here is the uh, is Stasis Pod, the Robots in Disguise podcast. I'm uh, the Canada Kid. <laughs> I'm Kitten Jen. I'm Two Gun Dave, and you're jumping my claim. This here's the Stasis Pod. Yeah, yeah. That's right. The episode with no fewer than two. Guest stars whose filmographies I will discuss extensively. <laughs> <laughs> and and we'll just be like, okay, yeah, sure. Confused, mostly. That I mean, person. you'll definitely know one of them. Okay. I mean, you both lived through the 80s. You'll know who I'm talking about. Okay. Talk. I suppose. Uh, I don't is... know. I was pretty small. I was <laughs> I was just a very small child. <laughs> All right, so this is this is Strong Arms Big Score, which I have to assume is named after Shaft's Big Score. Yeah, maybe which, the second or the first sequel to Shaft. Uh, sadly, there was no follow episode uh, Strong Arm in Africa to Eliza, uh, go with. It. Uh, calm down, oh. cat drama. Too much cat. Uh, it's written by David McDermott, who's written a bunch of Transformers Prime and Robots in Disguise, last seen in these parts uh, writing Portals, the one where Soundwave came back. Oh, hey. Mm. Oh, that was a good one. That was a good one. Uh, this first aired September 17th, 2016, and we open in the Danger Room. Yes! <laughs> well, the budget <laughs> version of the Danger Room. The Mild Peril Room. <laughs> <laughs> The possible inconvenience room. Yes. <laughs> and it, it is just that uh, Sideswip and Strongarm are fighting a a robot with a hologram sort of around him to make him look like Thunderhoof, although they've given him antlers. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's kind of a neat drone-looking thing that's like, why didn't we get a repaint toy of this? Why didn't we get toys well, he- of a lot of things from this show? Well, yeah, but but at least in this case, they already had the molds laying around. And also, he kind of looks like uh, that training robot that Hot Rod's using in the movie. A little bit. A little bit, yeah, with the visor. Uh, time out, time out, time out. <laughs> yeah, they, they could have just, in the toy line, said, oh, it's an auto trooper tractor. Sure, <laughs> give him a name. Uh, Rakehead, I don't know. But, uh, and, and during the course of this fight, uh, things get a little out of control. Uh, especially when it uh, throws a vintage refrigerator at them, which is specifically a 1953 Finkelman Frosty Boy. <laughs> which is, is that a real one? No. I don't believe any refrigerator has ever been called the Frosty Boy. <laughs> oh, that should be. I don't know. They're, I would not be surprised. I think that's what they call uh, refrigerators on Tumblr these days. <laughs> <laughs> When uh, Denny is upset about it, they point out that they have to break his stuff for realism. Yes. Yes. Who who would win? Well, uh, you know, uh, vegetable spoilage or one frosty boy? <laughs> uh, then they, they smash the control panel, so it goes berserk, uh, much like the danger room often does. Yep. That's how you know it's yeah. proper. It's a proper danger room. It's super easy to break in ways that make it actually dangerous. At least this one, this time it did not become sentient and then evil. And sexy. Also sexy. Also that. Sentient, evil, and sexy. <laughs> Stupid sexy danger room. 
Uh, so luckily, uh, Sideswipe is, uh, kicks its head right off. Yep. Takes care of it. But this has all been in service of Fixit, uh, running, getting scores for the Pazer Quat. Sure, sure, Fixit. Totally not made up. Oh, right, his acronym. Well, backronym. That is obviously, that is, uh, that obviously stands for Preliminary Assessment of Skills, Efficiency, and Readiness for Qualifying Actified active teammates. Hmm. Uh, Just made me think of Paraquat, which was a herbicide uh, the U.S. government used to use to kill marijuana. Yeah, I still occasionally see, like, class action lawsuit ads mentioning that. I most remember it because in The Big Lebowski, uh, the dude calls Jeffrey Lebowski a human Paraquat. (laughs) That's fair. Uh, it, it is hard to find old refrigerator types because I keep tripping over like retro style refrigerators, which looks cool and just reminds me of the refrigerator I used to have in the basement as a kid. But apparently, there's an Italian brand called Smeg. Yes, they still sell stuff. You go on Amazon and you can buy like a five hundred dollar toaster from them. Yeah, um, um, uh, our toaster is a Smeg. There's a smeg on across it in big letters, big retro letters. I, just, I mean, clearly they have not watched um, Red Dwarf. Red Dwarf. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's that's all I think about is a robot saying smee. Ah, I need to watch Red Dwarf again, but yet I don't really want to watch the newer Red Dwarf because it seems to have gone weird. Also, it took like decades between seasons. <laughs> Yeah, I, I assume they have to explain why everybody's so old now. Probably, be, well, some of them don't seem to have aged that well. Like the guy that played Cat doesn't look Maybe that Maybe they bad. just don't explain. Well, well, I mean that's the thing. I mean he can get older, and like uh, the Craig Charles guy can get older, but the hologram—that's uh, that's a little more concerning. Yeah, yeah. holograms are not. Really and the robot, at least, you cover up up with makeup so that could kind of work. Yeah, you can just put a ton of makeup on him. But, but the old white British guy who played the hologram, yeah, he probably looks like shit. <laughs> anyway, there, there's a fun exchange here where, you know, he, you know, Sideswave does save Starman, and he's all, yeah, don't mention it. Of course, I will. <laughs> Like a couple times a day. She did not go, eh. <laughs> well, she's about to because the passer quad scores are out. Yeah. Drift gets a, a hundred out of 125. Oh, he is, he is, he is burning inside. He's keeping it inside, yes. but you can tell that hearing that that 100 was out of 120 is destroying him. Yes. Bumblebee, 106. Sideswipe, 95. Grimlock, surprisingly, a 93. Not bad, not bad. That's Star Iron, of course, assumes, you know, uh, you know, you don't have to tell everybody, I know, I got the highest score. You got, a, you got an 89, Star Iron. Oh, speaking of killing her inside... Oh. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, there, there'd be no episode for Drift 
reacting to his score, because he's just going to go and brood yeah. about this for a while. He's just going to be angry about it, like, quietly somewhere, and not cause trouble. Yes, but of course, uh, Strongarm is desperate to prove herself in all occasions, and especially now. Yes. <laughs> Drift will probably go off and convince himself that the test is faulty, and that's why he did not get a perfect score. Yes. But no, strong arm, strong arm must be perfect. Skilling her, tearing yeah. her up inside. She's not okay. Yeah, crawling in her skin, these wounds, they will not There's heal. There's absolutely an, an eye twitch that happens. <laughs> and of course, Drift reminds us that the last episode happened, so uh, Paralon is still out there. But they can't find him, so they're going to look for all previous sites of Cybertronian artifacts that they might be looking for. Yeah, that's uh, so that's a they're... lot of places. Yeah, so they're going to have to split up. So Strong Arms offers she, you know, she's willing to take a solo mission, but she also wants to take along Fix It so he can improve her score. <laughs> of course, you know, Fix It. He doesn't leave the base. He's too valuable. But hey. Denny and Russell are on the case. They are going to be the new fixes. Also, they are disappointed that they don't even get scores at all because the scoring is based on Cybertronian human criteria. Ass- yes, human assistance cannot be quantified. Yes, that's because- which is, I think, also how a lot of uh, Transformers fans feel about human characters. <laughs> <laughs> they don't count. Not important. So they're going to go. Uh, fix it is in the driver's seat here in, uh, once again, hilarious disguise. Oh, yes, his human disguise with, with hair and a hat, which, and glasses, which it's so unsettling kind of in a weird way. I don't know why. I like why. that he puts on the disguise, but he doesn't sit in the driver's seat. Yeah. But this is still a vehicle that's driving itself with this human question mark inside. Isn't he? He wears a disguise to look like human guys, but he's not a man. <laughs> he's a, he's a fix-it bot. He's a mini-con. And, and, of course, they're, where are they driving to? They're driving to Mount St. Hillary. Yay! Yes, the heck? We're now tying into G1 now. And, it, and not just a, a mountain called Mount St. Hillary, a volcanic mountain called Mount yes. St. Hillary. Yes. What? Which was apparently at some point the location of the first Autobot base on Earth. Yes. Uh, to quote Hermes Conrad, what? that only raises further questions. It does. Yes. It really does. But I guess we now know the Autobots had been there since the 80s. So I guess maybe their government base wasn't the first place they had. I just, I was, I don't know. I I was pretty sure that we started off prime with them, like, arriving on Earth for the first time. Well, no, because they already had that base. Uh, That that was B, or that was um, RC and Cliffjumper getting on Earth for the first time. okay, and the others were already there. But I think the others had been there for a while that, like, I mean, they had a pre-existing relationship with, uh... Agent Fowler and so forth. I suppose that that sounds accurate. It's, it's there's been a enough while. leeway in there that we can. There's enough leeway in there that we can fudge. Yes, it. and the fact that there's so much Cybertronian junk dumped so on Earth. Much. There is also that they weren't the first ones there. It's just that we'd assumed that they weren't really 
inhabiting the planet for that long. Yes. But apparently not. So they get there, but surprisingly, it is being redeveloped into a subdivision. Uh, Star Visitor Estates. <laughs> this has big, like, trying to sell condos at near Area 51 energy, too. <laughs> oh, but, God, like, the, the design... I mean, I know they're not actually finished apartment buildings, but the designs are so brutalist, it's it's unsettling. Yes. These white blocks of horror with weird shelves jutting out. I mean, out. they do kind of feel like the whole, like, mixed-use development that everyone is obsessed with for the last, like, I don't know, ten years, where the ground floor is well, some... Taco Bell, and it's got luxury apartments over it. Honestly, I'm still a little salty that back in Columbus, there was a Taco Bell by campus that had basically never been renovated since the 90s, and then they just ended up tearing it down to put in one of those mixed-use blocks, and they just put the Taco Bell on the ground floor. Except it was a boring new Taco Bell and didn't have any teal in it at all. It's not as bad as, like, a suburb designed with nothing but suburbs and no bars or restaurants anywhere around it because it's a suburban nightmare, but they're really fucking ugly-looking apartments. <laughs> well, you know, I I think this place is going to be very popular. The Sportos, the Motorheads, the Geeks, the Sluts, the Bloods, the Wasteoids, the Dweebies, and the Dickheads. They'll all adore it. <laughs> they think it's a righteous place. And the Sweeps, the Creeps, and the Bleeps. Well, that doesn't uh, seem to be who they're trying to sell it to. They seem to be trying to sell it to, you know, a young couple. And do you know who is trying to sell it? <gasps> who is trying to sell it? Uh, this is a realtor voiced by Edie McClurg. Uh-huh. Uh, she's the secretary in Ferris Bueller. She is the... Oh! Uh, she's the car rental clerk who gets cursed out by Steve Martin, planes, trains, and automobiles. Oh, wow. Um, she is in Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. <laughs> yeah, she, she, she's very much, hey, that lady! Yes. That's a deep cut. Hmm. Like, she's in a ton of stuff. Always playing some sort of, like, goofy, red-headed Miss Midwestern. I think her, she, she was designed to look like Edie McClurk, this character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She, she's very much the nosy next-door neighbor from everything. Very much so. I mean, that's basically what she does in Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Hmm. Oh, she's also one of the students in Carrie. Oh. Oh. Oh, she has a surprising amount of voice work. I did not she's that. Oh, she's in a zillion things. I knew she was in a lot of live action shit. I just didn't realize dubbing. Oh yeah, no, she was in. Uh, she was on Bobby's World. Uh, she's in the Secret of Nim. Ooh. Hmm. Uh, she is apparently in the American dub of Kiki's Delivery Service. Well, a lot of weird people are in that one. That's like a surprisingly really good dub. Uh, a couple of Cheech and Chong movies. <laughs> oh, okay. Apparently, in an episode of Regular Show. Yeah, I mean, she's still around. Yeah. Wait, the Corsican Brothers? Oh, I, I've seen that Cheech and Chong movie. That was confusing. Anyway. Yeah, no, this, yeah, Edie McClure, she's in everything. She's always a hoot. Yeah. And she's, she's funny in this as well. Yes. Uh, very much trying to downplay the fact that uh, there are definitely no aliens here. Yeah, like I said, big <laughs> yeah. trying to sell com- condos by Area 51 kind of energy here. Yes. 
apparently whatever the Autobots were up to here previously was sort of rumored and hinted at and conspiracy theoried. Mm. The fun kind of conspiracy theories, like the Chupacabra. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And of course, the whole time Strongarm is uh, very unnerved by the fact that... uh, Fix it is all like, hmm, interesting. Every time she does something. <laughs> he is the. Like she's taking her driver's test or something. <laughs> oh, yes. He is the opposite of helping. Like every time oh, yes. she starts talking about, like, what her, what decision, you know, what action she's going to take or whether she's going to do this or that, he's like, hmm, interesting. He's <laughs> just, he's making things so much worse. <laughs> So yeah, they, so they get there, they, they get into the, uh, into this base and they find that somebody has been digging new tunnels, some sort of Cybertronium. And that this is something you should probably be careful of in a volcano. Yes, even though it is a dormant volcano. Presumably, it's still, you know, modeled to some degree after Mount St. Helens and therefore, you know, erupted 40 years ago, which is, in somewhat recent memory and pretty recent as far as volcanic activity goes. So, you know, maybe be careful where you're digging. Yes. And pretty soon they do indeed run into a a Decepticon Minicon pairing again. Yay! And look out, y'all, it's Scatterspike, who is a porcupine cowgirl. Yes! Yeah. She looks. Her, uh, her model appears to be uh, very close to Quillfire. Oh yeah, it's it's a modified, and her toy was a re- was a redeco of him. Uh, so she actually got a toy. She did get a toy. I never I never found it. Like some, but uh, I don't I don't remember if I ever found. It. I remember I found Quillfire. I don't know if I ever saw her. But they're they're they're, they're recoloring is always slightly different. Is it a different head, or is it just from- it's a different head? Oh okay. The crazy thing is, this is stunt casting. Yes. Yes? Uh, so, uh, Scatterspike is played by Robin Weijert, who, uh, are you familiar with the HBO Western series Deadwood? Other than hearing of it, not really. It was a, an amazingly profane, uh, uh, you know, show about the, the frontier in Deadwood, uh, in the, you know, the Old West, and the most profane character on it was Calamity Jane, played with this exact same voice by Robin Weijert. Oh. Sadly, no opportunity to, uh, to drop F-bombs here, but... And I, I have to assume this is deliberate, because almost every other role she's played, she hasn't really done a lot of voice acting, and almost every other role she played is some sort of urban lesbian professional. Okay... Well, she's um, she's Carrie Ann Moss's wife on that first season of Jessica Jones. Oh, right. Forgot. Uh, she's <laughs> a lawyer on Sons of Anarchy. Ex- soon after her ex-wife. Hmm. Exact. Well, uh, ex-wife in the sense that her head gets acquainted with a glass coffee table. Well, yes. So yeah, super weird casting here. It, <laughs> I, I mean, I definitely not something that the target audience would be at all familiar with. The voice, no. voice uh, director must just like Deadwood. 
Maybe I should watch that if I run out of all the million other things that I need to be catching up with. Uh, it's got some pretty good lesbian content <laughs> in the sense that it's it's got lesbians in it. <laughs> well, I'm now that I have uh, I currently have HBO Max, so I'm also watching oh, the uh, the Harley Quinn cartoon. Hmm. Also, something with lesbianism. Yes. And uh, her 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 minicon buddy is Satu, okay, uh, voiced by Crispin. Wait, anytime, because she, she's speaking with this rootin' tootin' varmint tarnation thick accent. Yes, I could not understand what she was calling the minicon. The first time she said, I thought she said Sartor. It's like what? <laughs> that can't be right. But that would be a cool name for a minicon. That would be very. Uh, I don't know. He's just like this little fish guy. Like, I don't know that he warrants that. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is an appropriate name because he's a little shark dude, but like, the, the axe guy last time didn't have an axe name, so, okay, so his name is no. Sawtooth? Sawtooth. Well, that's and he's uh, voiced by a shark. Yes. And voiced by big anime voice actor uh, Crispin Freeman. Ooh. Oh! I admit, I can't think of anything he's played off the top of my head, but yes, I know that name. I think he was at a convention I went to. Uh, According to Wikipedia, he's Alu, he's Alucard in Helsing. Oh. Uh, he's Togusa in Ghost in the Shell. Uh, Zelgadis Greywords in Slayers. (gasps) Oh, well, oh no, but I don't like the double slayers. (laughs) Itachi Uchinha in Naruto. You know who else is in Naruto? <laughs> uh, Robbie Wrist. No. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. He's orange from Code Gaius. Like he, he's he's like a big anime voice actor. Yeah, he's well, in... not that the character's name is Orange in Code Gaius. It's just that he's associated with Orange to the point it being his joke name. Oh. <laughs> he's my favorite character in that show. <laughs> Apparently he was Roy Harper uh, in Young Justice. Yes. Yeah, I mean, he, he turns up in a, in some non-anime roles as well, but he's definitely like a big anime, goal, anime guy. Yes. And in fact, uh, Crispin Freeman kind of sounds like an anime name. It does. Kinda. It does. Well, partially because there is an anime called Crying Freeman, so... Oh, right. Yes. Which oh oh there was there was a live action movie version with shit I'm blanking now it's too late <laughs> no it's not I can Google anyway, I like I like this guy just has like a normal guy voice but he's just like a weird shark guy yes, yes. Mark DeCosco he doesn't have like a oh. sharky voice he's just got a normal guy voice uh, one of the double dragons uh huh well yeah, he he's been in better stuff than that. Like crying well, Freeman. Yes. <laughs> well, yes, but I've seen that uh, Double Dragon. Okay, granted, yes. That's probably <laughs> the most likely thing you've seen him in. Well, also, he was on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for a while. Oh. I, I, he was that uh, like telepathic inhuman guy who was... Oh, oh the Inhumans. Oh. I, I stopped before Inhumans. Kicking asses all over the place? Yes. I mean, oh, well, he's also, uh, what's his name? Uh, the the he's, he's on Iron Chef. Oh yeah, he, he's the replacement for the Japanese guy. Oh, wow, I used to know a lot about Iron Chef, and I've forgotten so much. I used to watch the dub on was that mm. the Cooking Channel or was that PBS? 
I love that show, but that was decades ago at this point. Anyway, yes. Yeah, so, so yes, so yes. Yeah, Scatter Spike. A, 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 I, I, we haven't really had a good cowboy villain since uh, Quickstrike. It's true. Yeah. Which is like twenty years at this point, and I love a good evil cowboy. Well, no, we we had a episode in a ghost town, but that was the shape shifting monster, and he didn't have an accent. No, he was not explicitly an evil cowboy. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, Scatter Spike, extremely cowboy. Yes. What? Well, what? Well, extremely, basically, like a coot old man who owns a mine that doesn't have any gold in it anymore. Yeah, there is that. <laughs> Except it's a woman. Like a quick strike yes, level cowboy. Cool. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we're not talking like that, like an actual like sinister cowboy, but like a a Yosemite Sam, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there is that that wild wheel guy in Cyberverse, but even he's not this yeah. much of a cowboy. But and he does have the hat yet. and the poncho. Yes. Well, the, the wild the wild wheel guy to me just looks like Cad Bane as a robot. Yeah, that's fair. Cad Bane Bane is very well, much a Western cliche of a bad I mean, guy. But I mean, I guess because they're both supposed to look like uh, the man with no name. Yes. Mm. From uh, Fistful of Dollars. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, meanwhile, back at the base, uh, Denny and Russell can't figure out how to get an outside line. <laughs> I would have figured that they would have helped fix it with this stuff enough that they wouldn't be having this much trouble with it. But no, they're definitely like they don't know what the buttons do. No, uh, it, it's a real how do I shot rabbit kind of moment. <laughs> what? Yeah, I mean, they've done it in previous episodes, but also the base has been attacked a couple of times. And since they've gotten the ground bridge, everything's probably been rewired. They're badly. trying to figure out also, which one is the any key. <laughs> yes, uh, I mean, Fix It was always there to take the lead. It's like, you know, how before I drove, I was a passenger in a car a bunch of times, and then I got behind the wheel and I was like, I don't know what any of this does. <laughs> Just because you were watching, like, you you might know how to get somewhere, but you wouldn't know, like, what buttons you need to press, or levers, or pedals, or et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, well, well yeah, what am I, the taskmaster? I don't know how to do any of this. I guess that, that, is, that is sort of a good analogy, because, like, I could drive after watching people drive. Then again, my dad drove a truck with a clutch, and I have no idea how the fuck that works. Oh, no. <laughs> I tried it once it was not good mm. do not want so yeah so Scanner Spike and Sawtooth they're on the run uh, Starling will fix it after them but the temperature is rising because they're getting close to a magma pocket yep again mm. be careful tunneling around a volcano it's, it's not as easy as you might think yes and once again um, they do the uh uh, Sawtooth does the possessed weapon thing with uh, Stronger and d- does a classic stop hitting yourself. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, these minicons once again have the special abilities of uh, taking over their hosts, so definitely very interested in seeing what's going on with that because I love me some powerful minicons. And apparently nobody told them this, told Strongarm this, because she seems very surprised at this. Well, maybe yeah. if she paid attention to these details, she'd be getting a better score. 
Yeah, I mean, at well, this also, point, was, the, you know... It happened to sideswipe, and he probably didn't explain it well. This is true. At this point, you just have to tell listen, if somebody, if you are fighting somebody, and your hands are not occupied by, by a weapon, please keep them in your pockets or on your genitals. <laughs> <laughs> at the very least, make a closed fist. Yeah. Where 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 do robot keep genitals? Do we need to go into that discussion? I don't think so. Uh, it's, it's like in Star Trek VI. They're in their knees. Oh, okay. <laughs> Actually, no. We we do... I mean, don't forget that in Beast Wars, we straight up see uh, multiple people get hit in the junk and react as if <laughs> a person was getting hit in the junk. They, well, they so got they, hit in the junk. Semi-organic, so it's different. I mean, that definitely happens to Wasp Nader. <laughs> And where I want to say it happens. Keep their junk. Well, he would know. be a drone, so he wouldn't really have any that work. Yeah. So, oh, <laughs> weird. Try not to think about it too hard. <laughs> so they they find this this big drilling machine and fix it shuts it shuts it down and then tries to uh, chase after after Sawtooth. But Sasu's like, you'll know, you'll, I'll, I'm never going back there. Oh no, it's not. He's not going to do it. He's not going back. You can't make him. Yes. So, so Strong was fighting Scatter Spike. Uh, you know, she's she's actually doing pretty well. But then Scatter Spike pulls the thing where she fires spikes, much as uh, Quillfire does, and Strong gets impaled with a couple, which doesn't seem to hurt too badly. Uh, but then, unfortunately for her, uh, we are the future Charles, not them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she, she gets very much magnetoed. Yes. Okay. So apparently all of Scatter Spike's spikes have different weird effects. They're not just yes. all poison like Quillfire. They just yeah. all do different things. And I guess maybe it just seems kind of like Hawkeye having all the special arrows, but not actually paying attention, like, not actually marking them. No, no. Yeah, not <laughs> well, I guess, like, Hawkeye can look at them, I guess, the reason she can't is because she can't look at her own back and see what she's shooting, but you'd think maybe she'd... No? Is it going to make something catch on fire? Is it going to make something shrink? Is it... Who knows? Is it going to cover it in glue? I don't know. We'll find out. Are these are these the boomerang spikes? <laughs> oh, this is a rubber one. It's had to be one of the silly ones. Just she's got she's just got one of the big boxing glove on it. Yes. But I was just thinking of uh, Batman Returns. Ah, oh, shit! I picked the cute one. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that I I'd say that would be a good gimmick for Decepticon, but. We've all already had Angry Archer. Not that he was a Decepticon, but... No. Bring that gimmick back. Was a villain. Just... Yes. Yeah. So she gets magnetized, and a bunch of junk flies at her, but then also Scatter Spike flies at her. This is not great planning. <laughs> <laughs> not the best idea for, for a weapon. And they go flying out of the cave and tumbling down the hill and stuck back to back and... Strong Arms have been stuck back to back with somebody before. Who the fuck was it? Was it Grimlock or Sideswipe? Well, there was the I time when was, RC well, was stuck to uh, to Bulkhead. Oh, oh yes, Bulk. I think oh, that's what that you're thinking of. Yes. Okay. Because I was going to say, I know this has happened before. In, a, in an episode called Metal Attraction. I just, I thought it was in this series, not the last one. Yeah. Okay. It may have also happened briefly in here, but they did a whole episode about yeah. it in Prime. Yes. Okay. 
see so yeah, uh, realtors to the left of me, mini cons to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. <laughs> yes. Because of course, these, this realtor is still very much giving this tour of this subdivision. <laughs> yeah. So they they do hide, and, and meanwhile, you know, Sawtooth is very is really trying to reason with fix. You know, just let 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 Scatterspike have what she wants. We'll go away. We won't bother you. We just want to leave the planet. These minicons are really afraid of something. Yeah, these minicons are both like not. I mean, they're they're definitely not like particularly invested in being bad. Uh, And yeah, they but they are afraid of something. They're being held hostage in some fashion. Yes. Steal shit, get off planet, we can't go back in the Slammer. And the Slammer is apparently Cybertron itself. I wonder, and you know, again, I didn't really watch through these, so this is, you know, me wondering things that are going to have answers at some point. But, like, if they were shut away because they were too powerful... Hmm. Let's just say you're going to get the hint of an answer in the very next episode. Oh, oh good. And in fact, you'll get a bit of a hint in the cast of this episode. Oh, okay. I I I, I missed chunks of this season, but I think I saw the last episode accidentally. Okay. So I I think I know where this is going. So, so anyway, they they accidentally damaged the controls. This thing starts drilling, and now steam is going to blow this mountain to pieces. Uh, Again, be careful, please, around (laughs) around the volcano. Be careful when air frying at home. Yes. (laughs) See, I fix it. You know, he calls in to you know have everybody bridge there, but instead uh, they just bridge everybody to the scrapyard. Which would well? It, I mean, they're all in a separate location, so you do have to bring them together to begin with before you send them to a third location. It does well, seem sixth location, somewhat efficient. Thought. Just do that and then send them all through to the other place at once. But yeah, that really wasn't what they they were trying to do. I mean, listen, they're lucky. This with these two running the controls, this could have ended in like a two vix situation. Yes. Oh no. Oh, no. Justice for Tuvix. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Uh, that 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 episode still bothers me more than any other Star Trek episode I can remember. Listen, Mulgrew has been, uh, she's made it clear. She'd do it again. <laughs> I like that she's owned up to it. It's like, yeah, I'd do it again. Absolutely. Okay, Stick with that choice, but. Oh, it's so annoying because I liked him as a better character. Fuck. Well, because Neelix. They they turned Neelix into pure annoyance and Tuvok himself was just kind of boring. Yeah, Neelix is pretty obnoxious. I I always enjoyed Tuvok. He's like he's like if Joe Friday was a Vulcan. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he wasn't bad. It's just that adding a little bit of sense of humor and an ability to cook to him made him better. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Lots of digressions this episode. Yeah, so so Scatterspike, you know, the magnet effect wears off. Scatterspike makes a run for it right past this realtor. Uh, strong arm, you know, has to go by. Everybody, you know, watch out. One of the construction equipment 
uh, exoskeleton power loaders has uh, has escaped, which I assume is a deliberate aliens reference. Ah, oh, I bet Strongarm likes aliens. <laughs> I bet Strongarm will absolutely point out that the the uh, the plot of the first alien is that there's a smart lady and no one will listen to her and no one else survives because they didn't listen to her. Yes, although, although she believes that cat was against regulation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That's got to be one of Grimlock's least favorite movies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's as afraid of the cat. In the last episode, I didn't bring it up at the time, but, but when he was talking about, like, historical battles, he, he said something about, like, that there's some, probably still some fur from that time that he stared down that cat. <laughs> I love the Grimlock cat thing. It's probably very scary for him. It's a good little running gag that doesn't come up enough. <laughs> All right, so, uh, so yeah, so she she somehow fools these people again, probably because one of them is Eden McClurg. Yes, and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, this, who, who uh, does at one point call someone a galoot? Yes. So Strongarm does uh, tackle and she knocks out Scatter Spike, puts her in some stasis cuffs. And then, since Fixit is trapped inside this cave now, uh, follows his instructions and punches a bunch of holes in the ground, releasing giant geysers of steam and averting... Uh, disaster. Yeah, letting off that pressure. That mm. volcanic pressure. However, when, uh, so she gets fixed out of there. Sawtooth has escaped, and he's also apparently freed Scatter Spike, so they leave empty handed. Mm. So, you know, Nastar Arm thinks, oh, now my score's gonna be even worse, but fixed is, you know, you did stop a volcano from exploding. Yeah, the the outcome was was positive for the most part, except for the Decepticon getting away. Yes. So we cut now to the scavenger ship <gasps> and their le- dun, dun, dun. and their leader, the gl- the green crab claw trap. Yes, uh, he is a less silly clampdown. Uh, he he yes. does not have the the eye stalks. He just has eyes like on his big square head. Yes. Presumably, he still walks sideways, though. <laughs> uh, voiced uh, by a uh, Transformers veteran, Andre Sogliozzo, uh-huh. who was sideswipe in Revenge of the Fallen. Okay. Oh. But he's also a big, uh, you know, he's a big voice actor. He's on. Um, he's the clone troopers in that, uh, Gendy Tartakovsky Clone Wars thing. Uh-huh. Um, big video oh. game voice actor. He's every male Khajiit in Skyrim? <laughs> I'll take your word for it. I don't know what that is. Th- those are the ass- cat people. I assume that has... No, I was gonna say I would assume that must just mean like the player character male Khajiit, but no, it just says every male Khajiit. But yeah, those are the cat people in Skyrim. Well, there isn't a big voice cast in that. Game. There's, I mean, 
Yeah, there's, but it, it does seem weird that he's every cat man. There's a lot of Jim Cummings in that game. Yeah. I mean... Well, stay tuned for Jim Cummings. I mean, yeah. the Khajiit are, like, not native to the region, so there's not, like... Yeah, there's a, not a lot of There's them, not a lot of them. Like, there's a lot more different kinds of humans than there are Khajiit or uh, Argonians, lizard people. Ooh. So I guess I could see one person doing all the Khajiit, but that's that's pretty cool. He has wares if you have coin. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he was also the, uh, the the replacement Puss in Boots on that uh, Puss in Boots cartoon, which I guess does not have Antonio Banderas on it. Aww. What else is he doing? Does he think he's so great uh, that he's not going to be being in that? extremely handsome. Okay, fine. Trying to trying to get a get that third uh, Zorro movie off the ground. I guess. Anyway, he's you know he is a pretty decent guy for a bad guy leader. Yeah, I, I like I like him. He just doesn't sound menacing enough for a group leader. Well, I guess I mean these guys are basically you know these are not like world conquerors here. These guys are, as the name would imply, scavengers. Yes. Yeah. But not like. The fun, pitiful kind of scavengers, like from IDW. Yes. And so, uh. So meanwhile, Sawtooth is taken aside by, uh, the apparent leader of the, these minicons, Arrowbolt, who's a bird. Bird! And, and, uh, who is also Steve Bloom. He looks so good. He's so neat. I love him. I love him so much. He's just this like white and blue bird, and and he's a bird, and I love him. Anyway, he's great. He does kind of look like he escaped from Silverhawks, though. Burb has one of the bird sidekicks. Yes, Burb. Uh, Tally Hawk. I guess that was one of the names. I think that was the name of their pet bird. Wings of silver, nerves of steel, Silverhawks. I've not seen an episode of that in a long damn time. Anyway, so Sawtooth is trying, sort of trying to say, you know, maybe, you know, these, these Autobots seem okay. They have a minicon. Maybe we can trust them. But Airbolt is, nope, nope. We, we cannot trust anybody. Do not no. trust anyone. Yes. And yet we're trusting these dumb Decepticons. Okay. Well, I guess, you know, like we, we can be useful enough to them. Mm. I guess. So anyway, uh, Bumblebee is calling in reinforcements in that he has uh, contacted Optimus Prime, who we last saw blasting off into space with Windblade and Ratchet, well, to take so all of the previously captured Decepticons into space. So much for no Optimus this season. Yep. It's <laughs> all okay. I'll be there by the by the season finale. <laughs> yeah. So you know, Denny's very apologetic about totally blowing it with the technology. Beasley, you, know, you don't have to apologize because you will not even be able to look at any of our technology until you've passed an exam written by Fixer. <laughs> <laughs> Alas. Yeah, they're yes. not allowed to touch the buttons anymore. Nope. They've had and their learner's permits revoked. But good news for Strongarm, because of her exceptional valor, her score has gone up a point and a half. Yay! <laughs> And, and even Sideswipe is all kind of, oh, come on, man. 
All she gets is a point and a half for stopping a volcanic eruption. Yeah. Although, he is happy that she's still four and a half points behind him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but hey, it's, it's okay because, you know, she's come up with her own uh, passer quad score for Fix It. But, you know, she doesn't want to distract him, so she's not going to tell him what it is. Nope, she's playing his game now. She's like, oh yeah, yes. well, I can make a test too. <laughs> and that is the episode. Uh, I enjoyed this one. It, it moves the plot along nicely. I like that we're, we just got a villainous cowboy again. Yes. Yeah. And I like that it's, that it's Robin Weijert, who I re- who's my favorite character on Deadwood, and who I always enjoy in things. Yeah, it's a fun episode. I like that we go to Mount St. Yeah. Hillary. It's a fun name drop. Yeah, they, the Mount St. Hillary is just so weird but interesting. It's like, wait, is this tying into con- other continuities? Is, this, is Mount St. Hillary a cosmic singularity? I would... <laughs> Crisis on an infinite volcano mountain? I would totally move into one of those houses. I mean, to be near a volcano would be cool and not cool at the same time. <laughs> Be very like warm. The, the, just the shape of them is so so blocky and hideous. No, <laughs> the interiors would have to be really cool. I still think that they just look like. I mean, normally those like mixed use buildings tend to be uh, brick, or at least a brick facade. Mm. Uh, so, mm. uh, but uh, but yeah, I'd move there. As long as there's a grocery store nearby. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, I believe that now brings us to David's Tokusatsu Corner. Yes. This week on Ghostly Sentai, Die Ranger, the demon fist falls in the setting sun. Dramatic. And my throat is rough again. Uh, Jin, the, the demon fist puncher guy that... Dresses kind of like Fist of, he's from Fist of the North Star, is back. And he's the actor from various other Sentai shows, usually playing a villain. So he, it, it's cool. It, meanwhile, but he's locked in like a jail by, because last time he was captured by the, oh, what's his name? Uh, Zydos, the stupid, oh, what's the, Morn from Superman, the big dumb one? Uh, Bizarro? No, the big dumb Kryptonian from the Superman movie, too. Oh, oh uh, uh... The movie, okay. that That's Rob's department. Is it Jax-er, or is that what they called him on the... Oh, Non. Non, okay. I knew it was a really simple, like, one syllable, but yes. He, he's the equivalent of that, although he's verbal. Zydos, the, the one Gorma Cenobite, who's, who's the dumb one of the group. Anyway, he locked Jin in jail, but Jin escapes, runs away, which apparently is against plan. It's like, why are we locking him up in the first place after knocking him out? Anyway, the 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 Rangers are playing baseball, which made me think, wait, is is this an X Men episode? <laughs> it's, it's Twilight. It's a Twilight movie. What happens to so many things? I'd rather think of it as X-Men than Twilight. Because they're not using their superpowers. Although, no, the X-Men do use their superpowers when they play baseball. Why the fuck are the Senta, the Power Rangers doing it? Okay, anyway. Anyway, Red goes to catch a fly ball because he, he was daydreaming. And then he finds Jin collapsed in the woods. Takes him to his own house. Which is like, 
I think this is the first time we've, or second time we've seen a house of any of the Rangers other than, like, the pink is the only one we saw because there was an old man and then Co, the white ranger living there for a while. I think this is only the second ranger we've seen who has a home, which seems weird. But then I think it's like, how often did we see the homes of, of Sentai and Ranger? Well, Power Rangers, maybe each other. I don't watch enough, but it's, it's just an odd concept. It's like, they're homeless, but, but they do have homes, but what? I, anyway, that's existential rambling. <laughs> the Rangers are like, what the fuck? Why do you have gin in your home? And he's like, I found him. He was lost and injured like a puppy. I'm going to wean him back to health. And they're like, okay, whatever, man. <laughs> okay, sure. Meanwhile, there's what looks like a skeleton a horse wandering around at night killing people on park benches, but apparently is a hungry wolf demon. Sure. Okay. But like like the the head looks more like a horse. Wait, can I find a picture of it? Oh, my throat is drying out. No, don't try out. No, of course. Of course I can't find it. Oh my goodness. Why? I'm a I'm a baby torty magnet tonight. Oh, <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, it's okay. I'm being easily distracted anyway. Anyway, this monster the week drinks blood. Cut back to Jin in in uh the Red Ranger's apartment who's being he's like trying to give him Pudding or um, uh, porridge and stuff, and he's like, "No, angry, no! Why do you have me here? Why are you helping me?" It's like, "Well, because you're the Vegeta and I'm the Goku. I have to. <laughs> That's my job. It's <laughs> my role here. I, I have to be nice to you, even though you're covered with weird scars and you have a metal arm and, and all kinds of shit. Anyway, in, in a twist, I didn't actually see coming, and yet it's so obvious." Jin is the blood beast skeleton monster thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, wait, what? Dun dun dun. Or that monster's inside of him? It, it's slightly confusing because later in the episode they split apart and I missed how that happened. I thought like he was a were monster. Apparently the monster was inside his blood or something. The monster shit. was inside of know. him all along. Yeah. Anyway, um, the, the, the Cenobite guy is trying to find Jin with, with all the evil mook monsters who look like they're wearing tuxedos. Jin tells Red, if I ever turn into a monster, stab me right here in the heart. And Red's like, what? No. And then after the eye catch, we get to the fight where, where he turns into the monster. And it's, it's like, oh, oh, I flashed back to that scene from like two minutes ago. I have to stab you in the heart. <laughs> it kind of would have been nice if that happened in the previous episode, but it, it's sort of rushing it. Anyway, since it's, so the Rangers are fighting him because he's a were monster who turns into the thing. But then Zydos shows up and it's like... Fuck you after he gets stabbed and then like electrocutes Jin and then there's an explosion and I think in this explosion is where the werebeast comes out the bone monster comes out <laughs> but I missed how it happened or it was like a I, I don't think I was taking notes at that point I think I was watching the screen but it must have been like a really short two second cut or something you were just busy going like I missed- what <laughs> it was a cool explosion I was distracted by that I guess I like a cool anyway, explosion. Jin then goes to fight Zydos, the stupid one of the Gorma Trio. 
while the rangers are fighting the, the bone beasts, and, and I guess, well, oh no, well, first, Red and Jin are like back to back fighting against all the little minion mooks, and it's like, ah, oh, that's kind of cool. Fighting cross things. Um, <laughs> wait. Oh, the rangers kill the wolf monster. It doesn't grow big. Which is like, oh, no giant monster fight. And I guess Jin kicks Zydos' ass and he leaves. Again, lots of stuff happening. That It feels like there's a couple of scenes missing or shot was way too quick <laughs> that I missed it. And the, the rangers are talking to Jin, but Jin's bloodied because he's a were-beast monster who's been beaten up the entire episode <laughs> since he escaped from jail then on. And he just starts... Oh no! First, he gets into a, a little short fight with the Red Ranger because they're they're the Goku and Vegeta, and and Red doesn't actually punch out Jin, and then Jin's like, "Oh, you're too soft. You could have knocked me out," and then walks off into the sunset. And the Ranger's like, "No, don't follow him. If we follow him, he'll he'll stay like because he's a puppy, and I can't stay here because I must be the Vegeta <laughs> and make my own path." But you're bleeding to death. <laughs> and as he walks into the sunset, he wanders into a desert from what was the middle of Tokyo or whatever. And then on on a sand dune, Zido shows up with a bunch of mooks, and then more mooks, and it's like the entire screen width of a long pan out is like just goons who run down the sand dune and attack him in the sunset, which is really cool and and, and he's fighting them off in bleeding to death in the sunset to be continued? <laughs> the end. Maybe he's dead? I don't know. It, it's a cool ending to the episode, but... Considering it's an episode without a giant monster, but it, it's just... Really? <laughs> is this the, the end? What? Is he coming back? That's it. I don't know. Show's over. Go home. Yeah. All right, so that does it for us for for this week. We'll be back next week with more Robots in Disguise. Uh, Until then, you can find us all over the internet. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, and we have a Patreon. Yes, we are hosted on iaconunderground.net, where we've got a Patreon set up to help with hosting and other expenses. That is at patreon.com slash iaconunderground. And I am trying to focus with some kitten antics going on in my immediate vicinity. Uh, for uh, the month of what month are we in? We're in June. June. <laughs> we're we're stuck right in the middle of kitten season right now. Uh, so for the month of June, uh, as uh, Doctor Strange is not out until the end of the month, so we're putting that off until July. Uh, so for June. Uh, why is my brain not working? My brain is not working. Where are my notes? Uh, we are doing <laughs> Godzilla. Godzilla! Yes, uh, because uh, the official Toho YouTube channel has saw fit to actually make the second season of the original Hanna-Barbera Godzilla cartoon available for the first time since it was airing on Cartoon Network in like the early 90s. We have decided to watch an episode of that, uh, with a Canadian island, uh, to, to do a little, uh, service to Rob, uh, about a great big sort of cobra inspired, uh, it still makes me think of that Haxor Pokemon thing. 
but yes, we are watching an episode of the original uh, Hanna Barbera Godzilla cartoon with Godzuki and a a child who narrates far more of the action than is at all necessary. So for as little as a dollar a month, uh, you can listen in on that uh, and all of our previous episodes and our next episode where we will be talking for way too long about Multiverse of Madness. Yes. Hmm. Oh, I, I, I just clicked things that I found it with. Okay. The, the guy that plays Jin, uh, Yutaka Hirose, the, the character Jin is a master of Kenpo and other martial arts. In Live Man, he plays a bad guy named Dr. Kemp. I remember Dr. Okay. Kemp. Kemp M. Kempo. I do not know if that is an intentional pun. Maybe. But it, it is. It's like Kemp and Kempo. What? Kempo. Did you guys do that on purpose? <laughs> anyway. But yeah, Live Man and Kemp. Oh, he's a great villain. Okay. All right. So until until next time, we are riding to the sunset. I'm Rob. I'm Jen, and I am a tortoiseshell baby magnet. Saddle up the doggies, we're riding into the sunset. Yee-haw!